What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. All right, guys, hammering it home. This spring, there's a lot of awesome stuff coming up. Headed into the summer as well. Last chance broadhead shoot with West Coast Archery. May 15th through the 17th. And also coming up June 13th in Reno is the Dead Eye Golf Tournament. For more information and more details, check them both out on Instagram. I'm sure you'll have no problem finding their accounts. Also get ready, Yeti Total Archery Challenge. It's going to be a blast. Hope to see everyone there. Thanks. You know, people can laugh too hard. Right. And then it'll just break up and distort the mic. Uh-huh. And it sounds fucking terrible. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's, I don't know, man. It's been a trip. It's a trip doing a podcast. Oh, I bet. Completely. You get to talk to a lot of cool people, too, I'm sure. Absolutely. Hear a lot of cool stories. Absolutely. And, and like, that's. Right, like that's why you do it. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you know who doesn't want to sit down and listen yeah. to just awesome stories? Yeah, no, as I much agree. as humanly possible. It's funny because some people will always give me shit, and they'll be like, you know, like why don't you ever talk? Because like mm-hmm. out and about or, or whatever, text messaging, just one word answers back, or like you know, like copy that, or people expect me to be. Talkative, super talkative. <laughs> like I talk all the time. I talk all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's recorded. Yeah. You know, it's funny. So you grew up in Texas. Yes. And you're f- fifth generation. Yeah, sixth. Sixth generation, sixth generation Texas. Texas homesteaded land. Uh, came over from the boats. What I always tell them. Uh huh. Right. <laughs> Yes, sir. So is that um, in West Texas? Yeah, they actually came into Llano, Texas first, which is kind of central hill country. Uh-huh. Um, and then the McAdoo family actually moved out and homesteaded ranch up on top of the Sierra Diablos. Um, and then he, one of his daughters met the Bean family, which had homesteaded a farm on the river. Uh-huh. And that's, that's how the family was made and been there since the late 1800s. Could you imagine still getting to Homestead? No, I can't imagine getting to where they got to on the wagon either. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. So, so, yeah, okay, let's talk about that. What's the topography like then? Uh, just, big, just to imagine getting to where they got on wagon and horseback. I've always joked with my dad, and I've always said, you know, Granddad must have looked up here and said, I want to see if I can get my wagon on top of that rock. Mm-hmm. You know, the topography of the bean ranch itself is right up on top. It's kind of rolling grassland, but when you break off the edge, which is where the sheep are, I mean, it is rough, nasty stuff. And Serious coming country. from the direction he was coming from, yeah. he would have had to look up and see the rough stuff before he... Even <laughs> knew that there was yeah, good grasslands on the top? Knew to go around and there was grass up top. So, yeah, that ranch was homesteaded and bought and paid for with Hereford cows back in the 1800s. Wow. Well... And now, the cattle industry wasn't even that... I mean, it, it became big and, and beef 
industry became popularized right. by uh, the Civil War right. and everything going on. And I've always heard stories that way back in the day, and this might predate when your family came, but yeah. there was just millions of cattle free roaming yeah. all around Wild Texas. Yeah. From, uh, it was a Spaniard, if right. I remember Correct. correctly, came out and just dumped yeah, cattle, cattle everywhere. everywhere. And that's more more in the southern part of the state, down okay. towards the coast. Yeah. Um, there wasn't as many wild cattle out in our country, but... Where y'all were at? Correct. Got yeah. it. So, I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with Texas, but we go all the way from the coast to 8,000 feet. I didn't know Texas goes up to 8,000 feet. Yeah, 8,600, I believe, is the highest peak in Texas. Really? Yeah, and it's rough. Very, very rough. I mean... It's I've, gnarly country. I've hunted sheep all over in some of our rougher sheep country. I'll put it up against anything. I mean, it's, it's rough and tough. The desert's rough. Mm-hmm. Like... Just the climate. Yeah. <laughs> Everything sticks you, pokes you. It's hot, cold. Yeah. I mean, just at home last no, week. Like, you don't catch a break in the snow, ice, and 90-degree weather all in one week last week. Really? <laughs> yes. I, so I lived in Texas in, oh, maybe it was 2002, mm-hmm. down in Texarkana. Okay, yeah. And Texarkana stinks because of the paper mills. Yeah. Gnarly smell. Yeah. But they had an ice storm. The winter before I got there. In Texarkana. In Texarkana. That's hard to believe over there. And it was just like crazy. Absolutely nuts. Right. But I don't know. That's a whole different story for a different day. (laughs) But uh, yeah, dude, I lived in the desert for quite a bit of year this year. I love our weather. They're, They're in Alpine. I live in Alpine. We we have all four seasons. I mean, mm-hmm. it gets pretty cold in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't get too terribly hot in the summer. Yeah. It's good climate. That's nice. That's, I mean, one of the most difficult parts, like Jake, you know, mm-hmm. he lives down, and it gets hot down there. Yeah. You know, like 100, 110, 115. Yeah. Oh, yeah, some of our sheep country, it'll yeah. get the same way. There's That's more just desert ruthless, and stuff. Dude. They're in Alpine, it'll get. 85 to low 90s and no humidity. I mean, that's kind of kind wow. of an average summer day is 85 or 90. Really? So it's pretty nice. That's crazy. That's crazy. So why don't you introduce yourself? Okay. Tell us where you're from. Um, Jim Breck Bean, 24 years old. I own High West Outfitters. I'm based out of Alpine, Texas. Been uh, hunting since... <laughs> I was telling you at breakfast this morning, I've been hunting since I was old enough to carry around a little Red Rider BB gun. Um, born and raised right there locally. And you didn't grow up, we were talking about this, you didn't grow up thinking, I want to be an outfitter. No, I didn't. I didn't grow up and tell myself every day, oh, I want to be an outfitter, I want to be an outfitter. I actually grew up competitively rodeoing. I rode calves. Um, I actually bought my PRCA card and I've gone down the road rodeoing. Grew up ranching, farming, uh-huh. so it's kind of, kind of broke the family mold, I guess you could say. Uh-huh. I'm turn this off. Keep going, man. You don't think it's picking it up? It probably is. That's why I'm turning it off. Okay. Do we need to start over on that part. You think? Nope. Nope. I won't even edit this part out. 
Love it. Love it. <laughs> I love it. I raw like, I, like I love raw stuff. <laughs> uh, anyways, back to what we were saying. No, I kind of grew up rodeoing, ranching, farming, obviously hunting. Uh, yeah. We had a lot of hunting opportunities on our ranch. We have on the ranch there. We have mule deer, pronghorn, elk, and desert sheep. So pretty so diverse. What is it like hunting elk in Texas? Uh, certain places in Texas are no different than hunting in Colorado or anywhere else. I've really? ever hunted them. The Davis Mountains, some some of the prettiest elk country you've ever been in. Really? Running streams, pinon pines, mm-hmm. high elevation. I mean, it's awesome. Uh, in fact, one of my main guides actually came from probably one of the best elk places in the world. And, and I mean, the, the size is not as good as where he came from. He came from the Tejon. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, he's... It's, it's funny because awesome. for me, man, but when they're I, not a game animal in Texas, so you can hunt them whenever, however. Really? Mm-hmm. And that is that because they were introduced. Well, there is sheep invasive date, species. Date, um, not sheep. Elk dating back to uh, being native to Texas. Really? Yeah. And then the like in the, the areas Mountain where they elk, are today. Correct. Okay. And I think Texas made a trade. I may be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure we made a trade with Oregon. They got some turkeys, and we got some elk, and they were turned loose in the Davis Mountains. That would make sense. And there, you know, there's some 350 to, well, there's there's a couple 400s killed every year in Texas. Really? Mm-hmm. And are they, that's not high fence hunting, they're free, free range? 100%. 100% free range. Yep. But you do have to get private land tax. Is that mm, how you got to get access. Access. Yeah, yeah there's okay. not, you don't have to well, tag Because there's like not there's much no public tax. land in, in Texas. Uh, Texas is 95% private. Yeah, yeah. And that's always like... So for me, when someone's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, you can do this hunting or that hunting in Texas and blah, 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 I always just think of, all right, it's a million-acre ranch that's mm-hmm. high-fenced. Yeah. Right? And that's not the case. No. There's tons of free-range hunting in Texas. It's all I, about... You, you'll drive the wheels off your truck looking for high fence in West Texas. Really? You're not going to see them. Yeah. There's one, one ranch south of Marfa that's got basically everything Africa has on it, and mm-hmm. it's 40,000 acres under one fence. Wow. Other than that, in West Texas, there's not hardly any high fence country. Oh, really? Wow. None of our, there's not any high fence sheep in Texas. Yeah. Because I just would, in my head, I would never think that Texas is, is that there's going to be elk. Like I said, you can hunt alligators. Yeah. <laughs> you can hunt desert sheep, Rocky Mountain deer elk, too. mule deer. Uh, we hunt. We hunt a little of everything. Uh, mainly, we kind of focus around audad and sheep, mule deer, elk. I mean, that's that's kind of our main four species that we hunt. Mm-hmm. And have you ever hunted alligator? I have not. No? It's on my list, though. It is. I want to. I yes. kind of want to. I want to bow hunt an alligator. That'd be fun. Yeah. I'd no, that's on it. my list. I have not hunted alligator. I've got a buddy down in uh, <clears throat> New Orleans who's always trying to get me to go down yeah. there. But I think their season is like in the heart of right. sheep hunting and deer hunting. I, I think that's right. Well, I know the Texas season's in, I think in September. Yeah, there's. A, I'm pretty sure it's September as well. And I want to go do it, but at the same time, like I don't want to sacrifice. <laughs> I don't want to sacrifice my prime it. time yeah. to go. No, I hear you. Go plug an alligator. And I think it's only like a two or three week season. It's not t- long. No. No. But tags aren't expensive. No. No, it's an affordable hunt. I, you know. Maybe we should go to Florida and do it. That'd be fun. Yeah, I think they they have more open seasons down there. Do they? I think so. I just really want to kill like a monster. Yeah, I'd love to kill an alligator. You know? 
then I could say I've hunted alligator all the way up to elk in Texas. That's what I'm saying. It's so diverse. I mean, yeah. you know, the central part of the state has free range everything now that's gotten free out of those high fences. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's the sky's the limit in Texas on what you can hunt. That's really. so crazy to me. There's year round hunting opportunities in the state. Yeah, basically. and you were telling me that with. Uh, not with the sheep, but with the audax. And our desert sheep tags are valid for 11 months. Really? Yeah. The only month we can't hunt is August. And why is that? That's when they're doing their surveys. <laughs> Bless you. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, everybody in your car speakers. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't blow them out. <laughs> yeah, no, there's year-round hunting opportunities. And then, uh, you know, we hunt audad probably eight months out of the year. Uh-huh. Uh, our deer season's three months long. So, it's so, a lot of hunting opportunity there. The sheep season in Texas starts in the beginning of September. Correct. Right now we're in, what month are we in? February. February. Yeah. So we're mid-February. Correct. Have you filled all your sheep tags for this season? No. You haven't had no, it yet? I don't even know that I'm halfway yet. Oh, really? Yeah, I think we've I think we've shot four and we've got five or six left. Really? So, yeah. We've got one coming in here pretty quick after I get back from Salt Lake. I think we have one in one the end of February, two in March. We're going to do one in April. And then, uh, call us crazy, we're going to hunt one or two in July. Mm-hmm. Which, when they're rutting. That's hot. Oh, tell me about it. Like, that's going to be ruthless. Oh, yeah. And the tag we're going on is extremely hot. Really? It's one of the hottest places you can go. That's actually the river hunt. Okay. You said you've you seen t- that? Yeah. Maybe yeah, yeah. you've seen some film from there or something. Yeah. Yeah. So at least you can get in the chocolatey-looking water if you want to and, cool off. Uh, and now is there alligators in the water? We've seen some tracks down there. Yeah. Uh, so don't get in the water. We still get in it. Oh, okay. <laughs> no big deal. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> There's catfish in that water bigger than alligators. That's what you got to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> catfish swallowing your damn arm you ever done any noodling no sir no no now why not <laughs> i don't think i'm mad enough for that <laughs> we always joke around and say we're gonna do it and then we find a hole and i'm like yeah i'm out it blows my mind those guys get so scarred up up and down their arms well like when i see little tiny 110 pound blonde things from texas noodling yeah. big ass catfish yeah. i don't they're even tougher understand than I am. it dude. yeah they're tougher than i, I am like that stuff blows my mind. Yeah, no, they're tougher than I am for sure. And they're catching like, what, 20, 30, 40 pound catfish? Like monsters. Up to 70 to 100 pound catfish. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't even know that they got that. Yeah, thing. those yellow cats, yeah. get, they get huge. That's so nice. We catch them on live bait. You can catch them at night on a throw line or something. You can catch some 60 to 80 pound fish. Ugh. So, yeah, no, that's fun, thing. huh? I yeah. mean,. Floating the Rio Grande, looking yeah. at desert sheep catching catfish when you get bored. Yeah. How can you beat it? It's one of the coolest hunts ever. Yeah, it'd be like getting to go down the Grand Canyon or something like that. Basically. Yeah. You got Mexico on one side, Texas on the other. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You ever catch people jumping the border? Uh, right there, <laughs> man. If they if they go through right there, they want it bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty remote there. Is it? Yeah, very, very. That's crazy. Oh, we see some sign where people come through. We've we've never knock on wood seen them there. Yeah. Now hunting other places close to the border, I have seen some groups crossing before. That's crazy. Yeah, we actually glassed up nineteen or twenty guys one day. Really? Yeah, it was snowing. And they, I think they were, they were packing. They had big packs on. 
That's crazy, coyotes, man. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Typically, you know, it's just it's just people wanting to come to the U.S. to better their lives, but there's always there's always those smugglers, and you yeah. got to watch them. Yeah, those are the ones you got to look out for, mm-hmm. for sure. For sure, we don't need to go too far down that, but <laughs> that's a whole other subject. <laughs> I bet. Um, so you grew up rodeoing, rubbing calves. Mm-hmm. How long did I mean? So how old were you when you first started getting into rodeoing and roping? Well, I learned how to rope when I was four or five years old. I mean, I grew up on the back of a horse. Yeah. Uh, started going to junior rodeos, I think, when I was six. Uh huh. And then my mom's actually a national finalist. She's been to the NFR. My dad was extremely competitive, uh, so kind of runs in the family. Um, like I said, I kind of started when I was six. We started going little local junior rodeos and stuff. And then got into the junior high ranks, uh, went to the junior high nationals, and uh-huh. got into high school ranks, college rodeoed for a little while. Uh, when I was 18, I actually got my professional card. you got to be 18 to get it. I got it when I was 18, filled it, and I think uh, when I was maybe 20 or 21, I made a made a pretty hard run, rodeoed all over the U.S. and western part of Canada. So, I mean, I've kind of been around the world and back rodeoing. Yeah. And it was it was a hard decision. Um, I'd say we were. Well, that was your passion. It sounds. It like. was. It was. And big and, time. And the, I, I was torn between it and hunting, and. When you told me at one point you had college, rodeo, and Correct. guiding. Correct. I started High West Outfitters when I was 15. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was obviously a hobby at the time, but uh, no big deal. <laughs> wasn't old enough to even drive to my first camp. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, the guy that actually hunted one of my first camps with me. Still hunts with me today. He's a really, really big customer of mine. Super close friend. And he always jokes about it now. We, we've done some really big tags together. And he tells everybody, oh, yeah, I drove him to his first hunting camp. <laughs> I had to go pick him up. Because <laughs> uh, you're only 15. Yeah. Yeah. So I, we started growing a little bit when I was 17 or 18. It was kind of a one-man show, obviously. And then uh, I got um, Ty Vick, which is now our taxidermist. We kind of started our businesses together. He's in his 30s. Um, but then he started helping me guide, and we started growing a little bit. Got into college, grew a little bit more, and uh, at one point I was torn basically in three ways between trying to get back out west and hunt, trying to balance my rodeo schedule, and trying to stay in school. Went to school for two years, kind of decided that wasn't for me. And the year after I... What were you going to school for? Just ag, kind of uh-huh. ag business. Farming, right? Y- yes, sir. And then uh, the year after I got out of school... I hunted until April, and about April 1st, I left, and anybody familiar with rodeo, I went on the California run, so I went out to California. was gone April, May, June, July, and about the 10th of August, I made my decision. I mm-hmm. said, I'm, <laughs> I'm going home, and, and I'm going to start hunting. Just and what was your jumping off point that kind of was like that sealed the deal? And you were just like, all right, man, you know I'm, what? I'm done with all this other stuff. I'm not, this is actually what I want to pursue. Financially. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a financial decision, really. Uh, it's hard to make a living rodeo on full-time. Yeah. And I'd been, I, I, I like to travel, but I got tired of driving. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was, it was to the point where, I mean, I think I went over the 4th of July my rookie year. I was 
in Alberta, British Columbia, Oregon, Wyoming, Montana, South Dakota, North Dakota, all in a four-day span in a truck. 13 rodeos and I I mean I drive days. a lot and I can't even touch that yeah no it's <laughs> that's insane it's crazy so I mean I loved it and, and I had a successful year that year mm-hmm. um, I finished in the top five of the rookie race I was rookie of the year in Canada that year uh, I mean I've had a very successful career but and I still rope now but now it's a hobby and it's the, fun it's fun the day I accepted that I, I went home I still have my good horse, uh, but it's it, it's it's not pressure like it used to be. Mm-hmm. So just kind of it's a hobby now. So still love to do it. Rope in the summer months. Several of my guides rope. I mean, it's kind of our it's kind of our summer gig. It's your pastime. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. during that time, you you said you went on that tour in four days, and coming out of that, you were just like, I'm driving too much. It's just. Yeah, I stayed out there another kind month. Kind of killed it. Stayed out there another month, and uh, I remember I called my parents and I said I'm going home. And that was that. Uh huh. And what was what was their reaction? Because it sounds like it's in the family, right? Kind of a family a family thing. You know, uh, my dad was fine with it. He was he was kind of the same as me. He didn't like to travel a whole lot. Uh, like I said, my mom's been to the national finals, so she probably took it a little a little harder than harder than he did but yeah my parents have been extremely supportive of everything i do so and what did your mom compete in barrel racing barrel racing yeah really yeah she's been to the national finals three times really yes sir how cool is that yeah no, so it's pretty cool wow man pretty cool to watch somebody's dreams turn Come into true. reality yeah and yeah. i you know every year during the national finals that's probably the hardest time for me to accept it because I feel and like if I would have stayed hooked with it and kept doing it, I, I would have I would have made it eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's like our Super Bowl. So yeah. But no, I'm very happy with our decision. And do you go to the Cowboy Christmas? Right. Yeah, that's what Cowboy everybody Christmas. Calls it. Yeah. Do you go to Cowboy Christmas mm-hmm. every year? I actually roped in the, the World Series out there this year. Oh really? Yeah. How was that? It was good. We had hunters in and. Uh, I sent a horse out there, flew out to Vegas, roped, stayed out there two days, flew home, went right back to hunting. Really? I live a very, very busy life. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Very seldom home. I yeah. bought a house two years ago. And <laughs> think, Not there. Uh, very seldom. <laughs> yeah. I'm ne- I mean, I'm never home. Yeah, I'm never home. In the last seven months, I've been home less than 50 days. That's probably more than me, honestly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd imagine you sound way busier than I am. <laughs> I don't. I mean, it's, it's it's crazy being that busy all the time. It is. Yeah. I mean, it. Sometimes I just look up and I'm like, golly, we've. I hadn't been home in three weeks, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then, I, and I'm not 50 miles from home. Is that because you're, at the outfit and you're staying there, or? Well, we don't we don't have a lodge. We don't have a base camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, we operate on 36, 38 private ranches, mm-hmm. and depending on where we're hunting, that's where we're staying. Whether it be camping or bunkhouse or whatever's there on the ranch this is what we utilize and that's where we stay for the three or four days that we're hunting there mm-hmm. um and there's times you know we'll run up to two or three camps at once mm-hmm. uh, i've got i've got amazing guides um and in the last year i've i've kind of had to delegate some things to to a couple of my guys and uh, it was hard for me to accept at first because i've always we we grew fast and I was always so hands-on with everything and it's gotten to the point now where I can't 
stay up with the phone calls and stay stay ahead in the office. You can't stay on top of it. Yeah, I can't it do it all. Busy. Yeah, I can't. I can't do it all, and I don't do everybody justice. So and you don't have a wife and kids. Yeah, no, yeah, not yet. Yeah, <laughs> I do have a very serious girlfriend. Yeah, I've been with her a year and a half. And, yeah, uh, actually met her through hunting. So oh really? Cool. Yeah. She seems super sweet. Oh, she's awesome. She yeah. loves to hunt. Total nice gal. Yeah. Anybody out there listening to this, don't pick one that hunts. <laughs> it's an expensive hobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's now tell awesome. me that she kills bigger animals than you do. I guess so. She, she does. shoots a lot more than I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always guiding. So but she she actually successfully hunts. A oh, lot absolutely. More than you. Yeah. Yeah. No. Her, How's that feel <laughs> when you go like? Oh, I love to take her. I mean, if you guys ever have a house together. And you go home, and it's all her mounts on the wall. And <laughs> then there's your five. Like, Yeah, it's a joke right now. You know, she's, <laughs> she stays there She stays there, and I'll find a bunch, and she's got a few things in the trophy room. And every time she kills something, I say, okay, it's got to be X size, or it's not going in the big room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways. I get no, that, though. I met her from her dad, and her dad's actually who, if I, he's one of the guys I hunt with a lot outside of outside of hwo like he uh-huh. we went on our sheep hunts together so it's cool that's how we met so you've done some sheep hunting yourself yeah i have half a slam i've got uh my stone and my doll really that's, and you haven't killed the desert yet i have not i so plan on finishing with that you've one. killed thin horns correct two thin horns correct and you've guided i've guided both big horns correct what's that like is that frustrating? Or? No, it's not. You know, it's. I feel like if I got somebody else, I, I, I really else on like it, the fact that the ones that you've killed are the thin horns. Yeah, yeah. I've never I mean? guided a thin horn, yeah. but uh, never killed a big horn. Yeah. And I think I've guided fifty-two or fifty-three big horns and been a part of six or seven thin horns. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm almost a sixty wild sheep. That's crazy. It's. And you're only 24, you know, and and this year I was with uh, Jake from Kika. Right. I was with Jake on his 100th ram. Right. Um, I went on eight hunts with Jake this year. Right. And getting to experience that and seeing something like that happen is crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a passion. I mean, it, it really is. It's Hell, it's more of an obsession than a passion, I guess. Yeah. I mean, sheep hunting gets in your blood, and nothing compares to it. I uh, agree. It, I mean, it, so for and and my experience is limited. I, I mean, extremely limited compared to. Well, you said you've been on eight this year. That's, that's a lot I've of sheep. Been on nine this year. Well, there you go. Because I went a on a sheep. on a stone sheep hunt as well. Um, but I got the sheep bug a few years back. Right. Um. You know, and, and it was a lot because hanging around Kuyu. Right. And, I mean, it, you're, it, it's going to happen. Right. If you're around enough of the, yeah, enough of some of those guys enough, you know what I mean? And, you know, coming from California, where I came from in California, none of that was really ever on any sort of radar. And all of a sudden, I kind of was just like, all right, go ahead. I was like, all right, you know, like, I want to... I want to get into sheep hunting, like 100%. I want to get into sheep hunting, and I became obsessed with it and fixated on it, and spent, you know, three years of my life focused on it. Right. And then this year, you know, it, it everything came together. 
you know, along with, you know, the whole way people encouraging me. Right. You know, and, and supporting my decisions. And it, it, There's just nothing like walking up to a sheet. And I'll be honest, this year whenever I shot my first one, uh-huh. you, you would think somebody that's been active in 60 sheep hunts, you know, it would just be another hunt. But when I pulled the trigger and I walked up to my sheep, yeah. it was it was life changing. It really was, and, yeah. and we busted our asses for that sheep. Eleven days. And which one was that? The stone. The stone. Well, both of them were, both of them were, ass kickers. But that stone, that was my first, and it's nothing like it. And now, where did you go to for your stone? I was in the Yukon. Uh huh. What what outfitter? Dueling, Jarrett Dueling. Uh-huh. I actually drew that hunt here really? at Salt Lake two years ago at the Full Curl Society. Really? Yes, sir. How cool is that? And I had already booked my doll. So a Grand Slam's obviously a personal goal of mine. Yeah. And uh, so I had booked a doll sheet for 2019. I booked it three or four years in advance with Lancasters. Mm-hmm. And I booked with some clients and some friends. And uh, then I drew that hunt. So I actually spent a month in Canada this year chasing sheep for myself. So that was fun. <laughs> That's kind of a neat little dream to come to fruition. It, it right is. There. It is. You know, and it all worked out perfect because, like I said, we're closed in August. We yeah. can't hunt in August, and that's when we hunted up there. So yeah. I stayed up there like 27 days. I really am looking forward to getting into Northwest Territories. Oh, it's beautiful. I couldn't even imagine. It's beautiful. Yeah. A lot of sheep. Great people. It's. I love the Northwest. I loved it all. It's something I'll never forget. And I actually killed a wolf while I was in the Yukon. Really. Pretty wolf? Mm-hmm. Black wolf. Oh, my God. That's like another bucket list. People right can there. say I'm lucky. Yeah, right? <laughs> Very lucky. Very, dude. Yep. We saw one wolf. He was a black wolf. Shot him. Uh-huh. He was a big, big male. Wow. So, yeah, I know it was... And now what'd you do with him? I'm getting him life-size mounted with the sheep. Body mount, full mm-hmm. size. Yeah, That's he's going to so be mounted cool. with the sheep. Uh, I've hunted, uh, personally hunted in Mexico. I've guided some in Mexico. And then uh, went to Africa. Mm-hmm. I've been to Africa. I went over there with with a friend of mine and did a little hunting over there. So I've done some personal hunting as well. Yeah. It's always fun to get behind the gun whenever you're behind the glass. for Get some trigger time? Yeah. For yourself? I love to shoot. Well, I mean, it sounds like you got to keep up with, you know, your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big shoes to fill there. Yeah, dude. <laughs> she sounds like a heavy hitter, dude. She is. <laughs> she is. She can shoot, too. She actually... Uh, <laughs> she shot a nail guy two weeks ago. We went nail guy hunting. What do you, so? Nail guy is an interesting looking animal, man. It, it is. It's a lot of animal for a little horn. <laughs> it, it really is. The big. horns. Yeah. The horns are. They're like what six, seven inches. Yeah, maybe? eight, eight, nine inches is a really good one. Is it uh, really? And of course, we go down there, and it was with a buddy of mine that that hunts with me, and so he took us down, and uh, I shot one. I mean, it looks like the devil. Yeah, no, they look like the devil. Like you're mounted, I couldn't even imagine. She shot one at 906 yards. Are you kidding me? One shot. What kind of rifle is she shooting? She was shooting a 6.5 PRC Mesa Precision Arms. And we got her laid down, and I was like, you're going to have to really squeeze this one, but your rifle will do it, you know. One shot. <laughs> no way. I was like, golly. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> no. And she, what's your longest shot? Uh, mine's actually 1150 oh yards. man i thought yeah. she was gonna be too no. on that no i, I was just trying I, to throw you under the bus. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but for a girl 906 that's better than a guy shooting 1100 i can tell you that yeah. for sure <laughs> well i mean did you see the 710 yard 
grizzly bear shot that was taken? Yeah. She actually, the same little girl shot an odd dad with me at 740. Like, that's crazy, it's man. crazy. Yeah, seven, 740 or 760. Was that how far it was? For her, her odd dad, yeah. So what was that experience like for you? Oh, man. Having a 10-year-old girl. Nine at the time. Nine, okay, so she yeah, was nine at yeah. the time. Come in. And, and if I remember the story correctly, you were like, all right, let's see, you know, what you can do. Mm-hmm. And that was with the Audad. Yeah. So, you know, we try to keep the Audad kind of limited around yeah. the sheet. Yeah. And uh, we saw Ram and we were obviously not trying to waste too much time on an Audad when we're trying to hunt a desert. Long story short, we saw a couple of Rams. I said, well, you want to shoot one? She says, yeah. I said, well, it would be good practice. And... Uh, and her dad was like, yeah, you know, we'll get a little closer. I was like, no, we're, we're not going to take the time. Let's see if she can hit it from here. Yeah. This rifle she's shooting, all she's got to do is squeeze. We'll, we'll have everything ready for her. She made the shot. I was like, wow. I mean, rifle or no rifle, it. you got to be steady to hit something at that distance. Especially as a nine-year-old nine kid. Yeah. 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 She made a great shot. Awesome family. It was it was it was an awesome experience having them in there with us. Yeah. What was that like for you when you guys took her desert? It was a tearjerker. I can tell you that for sure. Uh-huh. Just to see interaction with her and her dad. They're just awesome people. And I know you did a podcast with him, so yeah. a lot of your followers heard his story. We don't need to get into it, but just to see somebody that his dad took him hunting. And, on, then, and when he was 10. Correct. And then yeah. him turn around and work towards taking his daughter hunting. And then to see so many people, you know, I'm not going to get onto this subject, but so many people think, oh, well, a nine-year-old, she can't appreciate it. She doesn't know what she's hunting. That she one does. appreciates it. She man. does. She knows. And she was out there. She busted her ass. Uh, that she's was humble, too, man. Correct. Like, and that's what that's what I tell everyone. You know, they're like, oh, a nine-year-old shot. Because the Ram's here in my booth. A yeah. nine-year-old shot that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, a nine-year-old shot it, but she knows what she's doing, and she appreciates it. Well, not only that, and and I witnessed this talking to her, um, and it's funny because it's exactly what Russell talked about, mm-hmm. you know, was how it transformed him yeah. and his whole thought process and his whole, like, everything when he was that age and he went on his hunt. And her desert was actually her first ram. Was it? Yeah. And so... so that I mean, it, it was emotional for yeah. them and, and for us to see to see how emotional they got it. I mean, that's why we do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it, it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, and that's you know, it's not an everyday thing where you know no. kids are going to get to do something like that. But I mean, just to meet her and hear his story and know his story and how it changed him, and actually see it register with her and see how it's shaped her already as a young woman right. and a young hunter and what it will help her achieve down the road in mm-hmm. life. Like, you can already see the benefits. You know what I mean? So Yeah, I know. It, 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 was, it was a neat experience. I just think it's so neat for girl dad to yeah. be really... Oh, I love to see girls get out and hunt, too. Yeah. You know, right back to my girlfriend right there. Yeah. She's, she's been lucky enough to hunt a lot. Uh, over her years, and her dad's a big hunter, mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's cool to see the girls hunt too. Right. Seriously. So you had to give up some responsibility this year. I did. 
Uh, and it was kind of a struggle for you. It was. To like lose it, a little bit of control of your baby. If they, uh, yeah. Because I mean, you're like nine years in. Yeah. Right? XWO is my baby. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've ate, slept, breathed it for nine or ten years. And committed now, committed after making the decision for no more rodeo and no more college. Oh, yeah. No, it You've was, committed your life to it yes, for now. Yes, I've committed my life to it. I'm, I'm still active in the ranch, still cowboy a little bit. Uh, my dad and I are partnered on a pretty good set of cows. Uh, uh -huh. But other than that, this this is it. And if any if any of my guys listen to it, they'll laugh. But it, <laughs> it really was. It was it was hard to, and it, it still is. You know, I, I catch myself. I'll, I'll tell someone, well, ask Jasper. You know, Jasper and Stephen have been just incredible for mm -hmm. for our business and and for me to have a little bit of personal time too, because it it did consume my life forever. I mean, one hundred percent, four or five years, it was one hundred percent all I did. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> what's what's beneficial is that you recognize it, and you realize that in order for you probably to grow in your relationship mm -hmm. and to grow to the point of having a family, mm -hmm. that maybe you need to be as involved but take a step back from certain aspects of the of the business yeah i've you know i've delegated some stuff um we, we run seven guides we've right now it's it's myself jasper klein stephen ryan creed Cade, cross moody jasper's little brother tanner and uh, josh coffee that's and then we've got two girls that help us in the office one of them's actually my aunt um and then just a hell of a support team from our landowners so you know it's I may be the face of it but it goes a lot deeper than than, just, than, than just myself yeah. and like I said I've delegated a lot of stuff to Jasper and Steven Steven's kind of running our New Mexico stuff Jasper's Jasper's my right-hand man he's I mean he helps me rope run cattle everything he, he works year-round with me mm -hmm. um, but just they've been a big blessing yeah and I, and I want people to recognize them yeah. Because they... Well, it sounds kind of like, and, and it's what you're recognizing, that right now you wouldn't be where you are without their help no. 100%. No. Well, and if I was, I wouldn't be yeah. very sane. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, we, we try to be very hands-on, very personable to all our clients, uh, try to never miss a phone call. You know, I don't want, want to be the guy that... Well, I've called him three times and he won't call me back or I can't ever get a hold of him. Yeah. We try to return every phone call, even if we're booked, you know, just out of respect. Yeah. So I, th I think that's something that's really helped us in our growth, um, being very hands-on. and Like I said, I've delegated some stuff, but I still, I still make sure it's done the way that it was originally set to be done. Yeah. And both of the guys that I've delegated stuff to, you know, they operate real similar to me. They have great morals. Uh, they respect the game. They respect the land, and that's that's what I was looking for. Yeah. Somebody that that respects it and sees it for what it is. Uh huh. That's good, though. You know, you, when you grow up with with private land, you you can take it for granted. Mm hmm. Um. But it's not something we take for granted. Yeah. Well, and, and for you, your family was involved in putting sheep back into Texas. Correct. Right. So sheep went extinct in Texas. Uh, we actually had our own subspecies of desert sheep, which was the Texana. Mm -hmm. Now we've got Nelson eyes. Mm -hmm. And they were reintroduced in the 70s. And they were actually brought, 70s and 80s, they were actually brought back into the Sierra Diablo mountain range, which is where my family owns a good chunk of land. 
so we were very active with the state whenever whenever they were brought back in. In fact, yeah. one of the one of the first permits back in Texas was was with us. And I was three years old. Really? <laughs> I've got a picture with that sheet. So really, I, at three well, years old. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. No. I, so you. So I, for I you, your family has bled sheep in Texas. Correct. Forever. Since the my dawn great of granddad, sheep coming back to Texas. My, actually, my great great granddad has three or four uh, Texanas on the wall. Really? So we've been sheep hunting forever. So how did the sheep get wiped out in Texas? Was it just over hunting and everybody just no, kind of came through and killed them? there was very limited hunting. Or was it, it was disease? disease. It was really? 100% disease related to domestic sheep. And then it's funny because some people will like try to debate that domestic sheep actually cause, I don't know what the there debate is. Proven. It's 100% yes, proven. absolutely. So were people just having sheep allotments and the wild sheep well, were private. probably during rut? It's private, so we don't have to have an allotment. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it spread and pretty well wiped them out. Um, and now we're back up to 1,500 to 2,000 sheep in the state. Really? In six, seven mountain ranges. And how many sheep tags do they offer for the state? It varies. They issue on a percentage mm -hmm. off their surveys every year in August. Yeah. Um, there's two to three draw tags every year offered through the state. There's an auction tag, and there's 12 to 16 private tags issued every year. And then what's the caliber of rams usually? Uh, last year we shot 11 or 12 sheep, and in that... I think we averaged a nine-year-old ram at like 167 or 168. Uh -huh. So we're killing a lot of book rams. Um, this season so far, uh, our auction tag ram was right under 180. We shot another private tag that was right under 180. Um, There's a couple 170s and some high 60s. Uh -huh. I kind of tell everybody when, when we're booking a hunt, you know, be looking for something from 165 to low 170s. Yeah. And like a 170. Yeah. That's your goal. Yeah, 170 is always my goal. Yeah. Um, it's a good goal to have. But I don't care how many sheep you've guided, killed, whatever. Yeah. Somebody sit down and tell you, okay, that's a 170 and that's a 168 and a half. Yeah. You miss a base by a quarter of an inch, you just missed, missed around by four inches. Yeah. And that's so interesting to me. Like, yeah. You know, and it can happen. A hundred percent, it can happen. And we we were talking about this earlier. I was telling you about what, <laughs> and I'll, I'll do. I'll tell the full story right now because I could care less to embarrass myself when it comes to sheep. <laughs> you know, we were on a hunt, and I glassed up a ram. You know, uh, one of the other guides that was further away. You know, was like, "Hey, Andy, can you check out this ridge? There's a ram up there. Clear." Right, and I go check him out, and I'm like, clear, no question, clear. Don't even need a second look. Go back to looking everywhere else where I was looking. Well, three hours passes by, and there's some ewes, you know, some small rams, whatever. I find myself back on that ram, and then I'm looking at him, and he grows. Yeah, he grows from. 156-inch ram or 155-inch ram. He looked beautiful. He had everything. Yeah. Right? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe we need to look at that one. Maybe we actually do need to look at that one. Oh, yeah. Right? And and that was almost to the point where 
we were going to shift gears mm -hmm. and seriously get a better look at this ram. And then, thank God it skylined. And Jake saw it, and Jake was like, nope, it's a 158-inch Ram Andy's top. And went back to everything else. But, like, it can, dude, sheep can sheep play can, tricks sheep on can you, play man. tricks. We, uh, we sent a canyon this year in November. Eight to ten rams in there. Four of them were probably book rams. Mm -hmm. And good problem to have whenever you're bouncing yeah, around deciding bad, which book ram you want to shoot. Yeah. And it's, to this day, I don't know that we shot the biggest one. I mean, they were so close. Uh, I was telling you the story earlier that the ram was small-bodied. looked like he was small-based. Um, big Big-time sheep hunter was, was with me, Eric Schlukeber. And... Uh, we, and and I, you didn't know the genetics for no, this, this unit No, this yet. was a new unit. This is brand new. So I'm trying to throw a number, and, and the hunter was actually not a numbers hunter. So he, he was like, I, man, I like all four of them. They're all beautiful. He's all shoot any yeah, of them. Yeah, I'll they shoot all any of the great. four. You just pick one and tell me which. So we go back and forth, and Jasper and I were there, back and forth, back and forth. Finally, we were actually stalking a different one, mm -hmm. and we got within 350 yards of the other group as we were trying to walk around them, and that ram looked at me. And I said, guys, that, that's a big ram. I said, we're fighting our heads over a really big ram. I think we ought to shoot that ram. And he, he laid down and shot him. And we walked up, and he's got a 16-inch base and 37, 38-inches long. He's a high 170s ram. And I'm like, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but the small my... body tricked you. Yeah, absolutely yeah. it did. You know, you're sitting there looking at six rams, and the one that looks the biggest has got the smallest body. So you think, well, that's that's obviously going to factor in. Yeah. yeah. And then, then we shot him. And. I mean, he's just a beautiful ram. So it's a funny story. Yeah. But no, they can definitely play tricks on you. Yeah. Well, I've had them grow and I've had them shrink. We actually shot well, they, a ram. They shrink more than they grow. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do. They shrink a lot more than they grow. We we shot a big ram uh, earlier this year, I think in May, April or May, or mm -hmm. in 19. Um, anyways, this ram had the look of a mid-170s ram, but I know the unit, and I... I actually told Jasper, I said, I think that ram is is going to be 170 or just under mm -hmm. because of the the genetics here. They're, they're not going to have the 16-inch base. And he's like, man, I think this one does. And I said, I, he might. And I was looking at pictures of it. Anyways, we killed the ram, and, and he was a high 160s ram, but he had the look of a 175 or even a 180 ram. Really? Yeah. So you got to really sit down and study them, and, and I, I, I tell my hunters that all the time. I don't care how many of them you've killed, you're, you're still going to make mistakes. Yeah. You go pick a ram that you like and that you're going to be happy with, and don't let the numbers factor into it. Yeah. Nothing I, I dislike worse than whenever you kill a ram, your hunter is extremely happy, extremely happy, and until then the tape until hits the it. tape hits it. And I'm like, it's still the same ram as it was 20 minutes ago. Yeah. You loved him 20 minutes ago, and now he's... 166 instead of 169 he's two inches off a book yeah you know appreciate them for what they are and you go find something that you like and you're happy with and don't let the numbers factor into it yeah absolutely age and look you know that's 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 the way i personally hunt yeah and, and some people are into the numbers and, and that's cool too i'd love to kill a bunch of like 12 plus year old one horn rams dude i shot uh, or i didn't shoot i guided what we believe is the oldest ram ever been shot in Texas, and he was 14 to 15. Really? Yeah. One horn? No. Oh, no, he was no, full. Full. Really? And what did he score out to at that high, age? High 60s. 
high 60s. But he had so many chips and stuff missing. Bro, from, I mean, and at one point in his life, he was probably pushing 180. I mean, really? he had the look of an absolute giant. And it's funny because we're talking 160, 180, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In order to simplify that for some people, if you take a 168-inch ram, what? how many inches would that compare to on a deer? Like what? What size mule deer or what size elk would that well, be? Well, oh, 168 inch net Boone and Crockett desert sheep is all time book. Yeah. So, typical mule deer I believe is 190 for mm-hmm. book. Yep. So, 168 inch ram would be equivalent to a net 190 typical mule deer. Yeah. How many of those are truly killed a year? Truly. Not many. Not many. You know, not without special, you know, right. 16 Now you're talking about a 180 inch ram. Now you're talking about a 210 inch typical or a 260 inch non-typical. Yeah. So. Just for perspective. Right. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because we can talk about it all day and people are just not going to know, you know what I mean? And and that, and Jake and I have talked about it before as well, because that's kind of important to know in sheep hunting. Right. You know what I mean? It's, and. Because a lot of people are just like, oh, you know, 170 Ram. Cool. Yeah, that number gets thrown around a lot. Because that's kind of, I think everybody's target. Right. It's everybody's, everybody's target. Everybody's going for 170. But true 170s, there's not a whole lot of them killed. Yeah. You know, uh, that's it. Well, like a giant in California, ram. man, we put down six this year. Right. You know what I mean? And and <clears throat> we were talking uh, a couple guys, you know, and, and, you know, they were a little bit discouraged by some other stuff that went on. And we kind of had to sit down and be like, hey, dude, you know, out of all the hunts this year, you know, almost 50% of them are 170 or better rams. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fucking insane. That's insane. Especially for California. Mm-hmm. Coming out of California, you know, and we were talking about this earlier, they're all, they're all draw tag. You know, right. we, had, we had two specialty clients, two people that purchased tags. Mm-hmm. Everybody else was a... A hunter who drew the tag with max points. A couple guys drew them with less than max points. Um, one guy with six points for sure, and another guy with two or three points right. for sure. You know, sheer random draw tag <laughs> luck. And uh, you know, that's to be able to achieve that is insane. Yeah, you no, know, that's awesome. It's and it's good to put this in perspective for people to hear. You know, yeah putting them back towards a mule deer, put, comparing it to an elk. Yep. Um, you know, Audad are the same way. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of tell people a 30-inch Audad ram is equivalent to a 180-inch mule deer. Yeah. 32's equivalent to a 190-inch mule deer. Right. It goes up from there. Well, and I think, too, everybody is always so hard on the cost. Right. You know what I mean? The cost of a sheep hunt. Yeah. You know, well, there's your Audad hunt right there. You know, the Audad well, hunt is. A, I mean, not just that, but there's so many places where people can apply. Yeah. You know, where they could get drawn. Absolutely. You know, like, and they could go on a sheep hunt. And mm-hmm. I would recommend for anybody that ever does get drawn on a sheep tag, in any state. You know, whether it's you know in in Montana or you know down in Texas. Mm-hmm. You said you guys have three draw tags, mm-hmm. or in Nevada where they have over 300 draw yeah. tags. You know, or California. My biggest recommendation for anybody that gets one is it's a lifetime hunt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Get a guide. Get yeah. an outfitter. Get somebody that knows. Get somebody that knows. Yes, I agree. Because you, 
that you're lifetime probably not tag, ever going to get to do it again. Yeah. So maximize your opportunity. Absolutely. And, and, that's, and that's what not you're going to do. You know, by we, we make our living off private tags. So yeah. I'm not out here advocating draw tags or any yeah. of that. Yeah. But my advice to anybody in the Western states, get a guide. Yeah. And, it, and know, that's why I'm throwing us. it, you know, whether it's it's Rocky Mountain, Bighorns, Correct. or Deserts. You know, it's get a guide. Maximize your opportunity because you're probably not going to get it again. Yeah. Unless you, unless you personally have a lot of sheep experience, I would, yeah. I would highly suggest get a guide. Yeah. You can if I drew a western what? state, I guarantee you I would go hire a guide that's native to that area. Yeah. That knows the sheep. That could take you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First off, I'm, I'm very busy, so I wouldn't have time to go scout Time to it. go scout. DIY so, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'd hire the guide, go get my ram, and go home. Yeah. So, no, and back on the cost thing, you know, Audad is such a great opportunity for people that want to go sheep hunting uh-huh. that may not have the funds to go buy a private sheep well, what's tag. What's the Audad hunt run? That's six to seven thousand depending yeah, on how you I was going to say seventy five hundred. Yeah. So. yeah we sell ours for sixty two fifty. Uh-huh. So and, and you're getting a sheep hunting experience. I mean yeah. you're in the mountains. And you guys do a lot of Audad hunts. A lot hunts of Audad. Every year. Like, yes sir. Would you say hundred and fifty Audads yeah, this we, year? Our, our capacity is about hundred and fifty. That's uh, insane. But we're operating on close to two million acres. Mm-hmm. So we're not you know, I I don't throw the number out a lot because I don't want people to think, oh, they're just way over harvesting, and you know we're that's that's scattered across several ranches. Yeah, I mean, well, two million acres is that's a lot of country. That's a lot of land. Yeah, <laughs> I could keep you busy for a hot minute trying to show you all the boundaries. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> so yeah. So this year. You're starting to delegate out your business, and we talked. It's mm-hmm. kind of uncomfortable, but good in a healthy way. Yeah, it's it. You know what I mean. You're putting yourself out of your comfort zone, you know, and, and trying to grow and grow your business. Right, and which is extremely important. You've done a really good job of brand. You know, building your brand. Yes, sir. Right. Thank you. And and branding it. Right. And and now you're getting to the point where it's like, all right, back end stuff kind of needs to start getting mm-hmm. taken care of to free you up. To yeah. continue to, to build continue your brand, to grow and right? stay on top of the office work, make sure everything's running smoothly. Yeah, I haven't really slowed down guiding. I mean, I guide 220 to 250 days a year, mm-hmm. um, but I've got to stay a little bit more flexible than I used to. Where I, if if we have a problem, I can jump over to that camp or if, if I need to take a phone call I can go to phone service and take a phone call or if I need to run to the office for half a day and mm-hmm. and are you running in reach when you're out of service no I actually don't oh okay. I just I carry a satellite phone oh that helps and I have a phone a cell phone booster in my truck and uh-huh. that thing works awesome what phone service do you have Verizon and you how much was your cell phone booster 650 bucks and it just installs in your truck Correct. And do you have to pay a monthly fee on no. it no you're going to have to tell me who you got it from. Wilson WeBoost. I need one of but those. But you have to get the big antenna. Okay. Yeah. it's the I think it's called the trucker antenna or something. Uh-huh. And does it have to go straight up, or can it be tucked in some shit? No. it. it mine looks like a weird looks looking... Looks like you're riding around with a CB radio. Correct. <laughs> yeah, right up on top of my truck. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it works awesome. Yeah. So that that helps a lot. You know, anytime I get a little elevation, I can usually pick up phone service. Yeah. So yeah, no, delegating the business out a little bit. Um, we're 
we were at the point where we either had to stop growth or I was going to have to bring in some help. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I've said, those those two guys have been awesome. We're we're growing out of state a little bit now. Well, uh, Steven's originally from California. Correct. How does that feel hiring a Californian to come help you grow your business in Texas? <laughs> <laughs> I always give him a hard time. He's going to listen to this. Good. I'm like, man, I must have really been hard up for some help to go get one from California. <laughs> no, he's been awesome. Um, we're, we're expanding a little bit out of Texas now, mm-hmm. uh, doing some private land tags elsewhere for sheep, deer, elk, mm-hmm. antelope, pronghorn, all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah, we're growing a little out of Texas. Uh, that's a little out of my comfort zone, too, but. It's fun. Into new I love to go see new territory. Yeah, you know, I, I never take for granted what I have at home, but it's always fun to go see other things that you don't see every day. New stuff. Now you said you guide two hundred and twenty days a year. You said, yeah, is that least, what it was? At least close to that. Mm-hmm. How has that been on your relationship? You know, she. Because we kind of talked about this last night over dinner. I had a, a past relationship and it was hard on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets it. This one gets it and she loves it. So she actually comes out some. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'll come stay in camp, you know, say one night a week and go hunting. Yeah. You know, she'll ride around with me while I'm guiding. Uh, so she stays active. And it, so it, in the relationship I'm in now, it's, it's great. She loves it, appreciates yeah. it for what it is, and is actually pretty, pretty involved. Yeah, well, and, and just because it's something that I think is so overlooked is the other half, mm-hmm. the other person that's involved in the relationship right. with the guide or the outfitter, right? And what they have to deal with and what their it takes personal a special story. lady to put up with what we what we do. Yeah. Um, well, not only that, when they come, to, if they come to camp or when they come to camp, they're surrounded by fucking, mm-hmm. you know, a camp Men. full of dudes. Yeah. You know, uh, Stephen's wife. She's like, she's like picture perfect for a guide's wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, she gets it. She supports him 100. percent She knows seven, eight months out of the year he's not going to be home a lot. Yeah. Uh, he's a great family person. I mean, that's their relationship in our industry is one to look up to. Really? She's so supportive. He's good to his boys. Mm-hmm. I actually this year took his boys out and they shot. All three of them shot their first deer with with Stephen and I and really? and Maddie. Mule deer or white Maddie tail? is Stephen's wife. She, mule deer. Yeah. Maddie's Stephen's wife and Wyatt Grace, my girlfriend. We all went out and we took them out onto a couple of our private How ranches. How cool is that? It was so cool. How? That's a whole that's, other. That's a whole other subject. Yeah. And that, I, I told Stephen. I said we're going to take them out, but my only rule is I want to be there. Yeah. I want to go, and uh, his oldest boy actually shot a. Uh, of management deer but he shot a deer at 440 or 50 yards and he'd never shot over 100 yards and he'd only ever shot off of a bench and <laughs> Stephen was so nervous it was funny yeah uh it's actually in in our trailer you can you can watch the video of it but Stephen's all nervous so I'm the one that helped him <laughs> I got <laughs> I got there with him walked him through it and uh, he shot it and he he jumps up and he goes did I hit it uh-huh. and, and then, I saw that video yeah yeah <laughs> it, was, it was very cool how neat man so yeah, back on the relationship side, that's uh, it, it's it is something that gets overlooked in our industry because mm-hmm. it is hard on on your other half to be gone all the time. And yeah, as I was saying, you know, Stephen and Maddie, they're a, they're a couple to to look up to. Uh, so that's cool. That's way cool, man. So 
What's your average mule deer? It depends on our area, but mm-hmm. our trophy mule deer will be from 165 to 185. We'll That's shoot. a good buck. Oh, yeah. No, and we'll shoot three or four a year that break 190 mm-hmm. shoot the occasional 200 so really and that's in texas and then so when you do a mule deer hunt are you charging people by inches or are you charging no, for how's that work i don't charge anything by inches oh good i i've always had the belief that i don't want to penalize somebody for shooting a bigger deer yeah and that i feel that way you know we charge a a straight across fee for all every animal we hunt we mm-hmm. don't charge any trophy and fees what's a deer hunt cost it depends on the area, but eight to ten thousand on our yep. upper end trophies. And how many days is that? F- four to five. Four to five what, days. Yeah. yeah, that's cool, man. So we do large groups on deer. Um, I'm I'm more into the sheep, but I love hunting mule deer too. Mm-hmm. That's my like. I mean, I, I love hunting sheep. I'm obsessed with hunting sheep. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely, I want to I want to be on sheep hunts every year for the rest of my life. Yeah no matter what and i'll do whatever i need to do to, to ensure that you that, get to continue that i get to continue living my life how i've lived my do life do you know randy johnson i don't okay he's from utah here mm-hmm. he's in his upper 60s mm-hmm. absolute living legend he's been involved in two or three hundred sheep really and he's 67 i believe yeah super close friend of mine yeah he carried a sheep off the mountain in my camp last year really how cool still does that? backpack trips yeah I mean, that's, I want to be, I want to be Randy. Yeah, right? Don't tell him I said that. I won't. I won't. I'll keep that, that secret safe right here. <laughs> yeah, right here live. Yeah, right here live. And, but like, so mule deer, I love hunting. Right. Like, I love going and doing my own hunts, mm-hmm. you know, every year. My goal right now for myself is to go on a deer, on three deer hunts every year. California, Utah, and Montana. Nevada, if I ever get drawn for it, and one elk hunt, and then everything else is sheep. Sheep. Yeah. You need to come down and go all dead hunting with us. Yeah, that'd be fun. Just come tag along, see them. They're yeah. Just like hunting deserts. Oh, that'd be great. Just I love it, man. A hell of a lot more of them. Yeah, we need to come. To, I'll come down there and cook some flip flops. Heck yeah. Yeah, we need to do that. Yeah. yeah. That sounds good, dude. Treat it like a Brazilian steakhouse. Yeah, we'll get Sloan to come out too. Are you sure about that? I mean, we could try. <laughs> He's kind of a busy dude. Yeah. 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 No, that'd be fun. Yeah. But that's cool. So what's your what's your outfitting goals? I mean, as a 24-year-old, being extremely successful in your field and now starting to branch out, like, what do you, what's your long-term vision? What do you, what do you see? I don't know. You know, we've... I have those other two now that are that are very active and and I keep them active in our plans. Um, I don't know. We're we're going to expand. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to keep growing out of the state mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully just keep rocking along. You know, I I don't ever want to get so big that that my clients don't feel like they were on a personalized hunt and they were just another number. I don't ever want anybody to come into my camp and feel like they were just another number. Yeah. Uh, I don't ever want to feel like, and I have nothing against them, but I don't ever want to feel like a booking agent. Mm-hmm. I, I like to be active and involved in everything. Personable so, with your clients. Yes. yes. And, sure. and, and again, I want to reiterate that that's nothing against booking agents. It's just not what I want to grow High West Outfitters to be. I want it to stay as a customized, personalized hunting outfit. Outfit. So, and, and I, I really instill that in the guides, you know, and I, we talked about it earlier, but 
respect for the land, respect for the animal, mm -hmm. and stay true to your goals. Yeah. So that's that's our plan. Just keep rocking along and grow grow as we can and not push it. Yeah. So I work with a company called Dead Eye Outfitters. Right. Right. And I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. you can tell a yeah. little bit. Maybe just a little. Yeah, bit. maybe a little. And uh, so I work with Dead Eye. We do a part of the podcast it's called the Dead Eye Minute. Right. It's where I make up some jackass shit. Okay. And I ask you either a silly ass question or a serious question. Oh gosh. So, do you want a silly question or do you want a serious? I've never given anybody the option, and I'm going to give you the first option ever. First option ever. Do you want a silly question or a serious question? Well, we've we've been serious, so let's go silly. Let's go silly. Okay. I think I saw this somewhere, and this isn't, I mean, it's quasi-silly. So, sheep hunting, elk hunting, and deer hunting. You have to quit one, forget that you ever knew anything about the other one, and continue doing the last one. For, forget one. Quit, quit one, forget one, and continue doing one? Yeah. Oh, sheep. 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 So what are you going to forget? Elk. 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 Uh, there's a lot of elk hunts that I'd like to forget. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So we're good there. <laughs> tell, me, tell me an elk hunt that you want to forget, if you can. If you can. If you can't, I don't worry about it. I get it. But there might be can. a lot of bleeping out in the language on that oh, one. Oh, no, you're good. Dude. So uh, in September out. of 19, uh -huh. uh, Stephen and I had an elk hunter, uh -huh. which is a, a real good friend of mine. He's hunted with me a bunch, and he wanted to kill a bull. So we hunted all day, and for some ungodly reason, we decided to let him shoot a bull right before dark about two and a half miles from the truck in mm -hmm. some bad shit. So we killed a bull. We get in there. By the time we get to him, it's dark. We got a quarter of this thing out, three of us. The hunter had a terrible backpack, so all he could carry was about a back strap. <laughs> and so we, I think we stuffed all the back straps and the tenderloins in his pack. Uh -huh. And then Stephen and I split up the meat, and then we put the horns on me. Ouch. And, you know, I'm a sheep hunter, so I've got a sheep pack. So I'm not prepared for a damn elk. Not and two quarters uh, of an elk. Yeah, and a <laughs> damn set of 350-inch horns sticking straight up in the air trying to walk through brush, you know. So it's, I don't know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. We're trying to get out of there. And I've got my walking sticks. And I get hung up in a tree with the damn horns. knocks me down. And I get up, and I'm just banging my... <laughs> hiking sticks on the ground and I'm like I live in the freaking desert for a reason and there's trees and <laughs> so yeah there's my elk hunt I want to forget <laughs> anyways we got him back to the truck about 12 and then got back into camp about 1 30 in the morning uh-huh so yeah I, I I could take or leave out personally I love to hunt them I hate to kill them yeah <laughs> once once you pull the trigger the fun's over if if they're in a bad spot right uh, so yeah We're and then why would you quit deer 
Because I like sheep more. You said I had to quit. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean. I mean, that's I, really just, it boils down to that. Yeah, it boils down to that. Yeah. I love hunting deer, but if yeah. I had well, to pick one. And what I love about your story is your family's history with the area. You guys are in there six generations, mm-hmm. and I can relate to that because my family's where I live for five. That's awesome. Right? So, I totally understand having deep roots mm-hmm. connected to where you live. Yeah. And another thing that I love is your history with sheep. In the area, right? You know, you you even said your grandfather has four rams, that Na- original native sheep, original native species. Yeah. Is that species even alive? No, they're it's extinct. Completely extinct. And they were actually huge. They yeah. were really they were, they were one probably one of the biggest species. Really, of deserts. Yeah. Really. Because what's the biggest species now? Is it the is it the peninsular? Probably the Mexicali's. Is it the Mexicali's? I would think so. Yeah. I mean, because I, I don't, I'm still learning. Yeah. Always. I would have to say the Mexican. Always learning. You know, the bigger rams are coming from Tiburon and yeah. Arizona. That's Tiburon's got some fucking smashers, giants, dude. Giants. Insane. So, yeah, your better rams are coming from Tiburon and, and uh, Arizona, and those are Mexicali's. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, anyways, you know, your, your family's connection. Yeah. With well, it's, putting it sheep back, back on the mountain out there yeah. and getting it done. We're big supporters of Texas Bighorn Society. Everybody in the family is pretty well a life member. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a life member of the Wild Sheep Foundation. Mm-hmm. We're, we're did big you get that summit supporters. life yet or are you not going that far? Uh, I don't think so. No, oh. I need to. Yeah. I would. Yeah. Yeah. Anything <laughs> cheap, I'm in. I'm just busting both. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would, I was, that would have to be my choice. I would love to forget several elk I've been a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I always give Stephen a hard time because he left the elk yeah. to come down there and guide all dad sheep and deer. Mm-hmm. And when he got there, he's like, shit, we do more elk here than we did back home. <laughs> right. Do you get, so when you guys are in camp, are you eating freeze-dried food or are you eating it depends. actual cooked food? We, typic- we have a full-time cook that works for us. Oh, okay. Yeah, she bounces around camp to camp. Uh, we're usually in some kind of bunkhouse or ranch house style deal. Yeah. Uh, we've got some lodges that are extremely nice. You know, you pull 40 miles off the beaten path and pull up to a super nice house. It's, yeah. It's nice. So, yeah, with it being pri- private land, most of them are going to have some sort of a homestead on yeah. the place. So we're going to have somewhere to stay. You're going to actually yeah. get to have meals. Um, we do some horseback hunts. and. I'm not a big fan of freeze-dried food, so mm-hmm. we typically carry in. So we're going to change that today. I'm going to make you a fan of some freeze-dried food. After this, we'll go down. I'll introduce you to my buddy Bart. Okay. He owns a company called Peak Refuel. Okay. I don't know if you I think I had him. some of that when I was in Canada, and it is good. It's actually really fucking good. Yeah. No, and it is. I'll, I'll I know that they've got that. it cooking. Okay. So we can go down there and eat some. Well, yeah, that in. would be handy for uh, for our pack-in hunts, mm-hmm. but typically we'll... Uh, We'll make up some soups or stews or something, freeze yeah. them, put them on the mule, yeah. pack them in. Right. So we use mules. We don't use horses. Yeah. And why? A little more sure-footed sure in the rocks. Uh-huh. Just a little bit. Because that's predominantly we're using mules in California. Mm-hmm. You know? Do you all the same reason? Yeah. Just a little bit. And they're a little tougher. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've found with mules, you know, I grew up horseback. Uh-huh. My dad runs lion dogs, so he rides all over the mountains out there. Yeah. With that being said, a mule won't won't panic in a bad situation where a horse might, and that's that's kind of the main reason. Mm-hmm. And how many how many head of horse y'all got? 
Oh shit! In the fam, uh, like on the ranch. Yeah. Like, oh, over a hundred. Oh wow. Yeah, hundred, hundred twenty between myself and my parents. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, there's a horse addiction around there. Sounds like it. Most of them are performance horses. A couple ranch horses, a few yeah. hunting horses, but uh, we've got like eight mules, hunting mules. So I mean, and this is totally going to be off the beaten path. I know that you probably wear cowboy boots. I do. So occasionally, when I have to. What's your favorite cowboy boot company? I'm a. I love Lucasis. Yeah, I, I was going to say Lucasis. You know, and that's kind of the boot that I've worn for. Yeah, I wear a lot of Lucasis. I've had Nikonas. I like those. Uh huh. But I'm not the. I'm not the stereotype cowboy that's got to look like a cowboy. To yeah, feel I'm like not. A, I'm not a cowboy, <laughs> but I love cowboy boots. Like, I, I guess. Toe? Yeah, I'm not. I, I wear tennis shoes. Yeah, I prefer to wear tennis <laughs> shoes every day. When I ride, obviously I get in boots, or if I go somewhere nice and dress up, I wear boots. But yeah, Luke Casey or Nakona. Yeah. So yeah, cowboy hat. I put it on when I have to. Yeah, but you don't normally. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. It's you know it's required at the rodeos. It's dress code. Just, just your just high west outfitters hat. Just my high west all outfitters the time. hat. All the How time. many hats do you go through a year? Oh shoot! In the hot ass Texas desert. Probably ten. <laughs> yeah, I bet ten. Yeah. Yeah. My girlfriend always gives me a hard time. Do you ever wear a different cap than an HWO cap? I'm like, no. Occasionally. Yo, this is my brand. I'm this riding is my for brand. brand. I'm riding for the brand. Yeah. <laughs> That's we uh, we have an inside joke. You watch Yellowstone? Have you ever watched Yellowstone? I haven't yet. No. Oh, uh, we. We say we're 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 like Yellowstone. Uh-huh. Ride for the brand. Yeah. Well, Louis Lamore had a book that was called Riding for the Brand. I don't know if you're familiar with any of Louis Lamore stuff. I, I'm not. You should be. Louis Lamore is probably. I, I bet out. your dad is. Yeah, probably. One hundred percent. I don't know. He's not much of a reader. Uh, most most guys know Louis Lamore from like way back. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure he died along like maybe before you're born or right, right. around the time you're born. If I remember correctly, but he had some pretty, pretty epic, and it's all, you know, Texas Rangers, you know, cowboy shit. Right. All old Western books. I've been I've been into them since I was about five years old. Yeah, that's that's cool to see. Uh, you know, it's fun to look back on our ranch history. Yeah. Uh, see all the, well, there's a lot of Indian remains there. Really. That's it was actually a big Indian camp I guess and uh, you know you ever find like arrowheads and pottery or anything I, like I that? don't personally get into that stuff I've they're they're there other people find them I, yeah. I'm always looking up I don't look at you should have you should have uh, right <laughs> I tell all my guys hey, you, you should you have find Russell some, come out and dig around uh, for some yeah, arrowheads yeah dude. he's got a slight obsession with it <laughs> yeah just a little bit uh, yeah we've got we've, we've got a lot of arrowheads around there yeah that's cool man so yeah Right on, dude. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Yeah, I better get back to the show. I know. This is more entertaining, but... This is a, a lot more fun. Yes. For sure. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I want to come back down there and see Cammy's Ram again. And yeah, come That's back, a yeah. beautiful sheep, dude. Yeah, they're probably about ready for me to get there. Yeah, they're probably texting <laughs> me like, where the <laughs> fuck are. are you at? Yeah, yeah, where are you at? All right, cool. We'll end it there, man. Thanks. You bet. Thanks for tuning in to the show, folks. If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguide.co. You can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this, and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. 
You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website, Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at the flip flop guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.